0: Now the subject which was to me assigned the church and its concern for the loss. This is a twofold subject. The church is a great subject and its concern for the loss. Ah, the millions that are lost today. Souls crying out out yonder, depending upon the Church of Our Lord, then to rescue them. As I said, the Church a great subject, and it's concerned for the lost. And I wish this. I wish this morning that all of us could come or have from the depth of our hearts the concern for the loss that we should. First of all, I want to think about the church. I wish that we could love and appreciate the church and see its great value as we should. the greatest institution that's ever been today or will ever be in all eternity is the church then of our Lord, the purpose, plan, and blessings of God Almighty in all of the ages, the church, the church. It came to us, At such a great cost. If we just go back and think of the first 4,000 years, what it cost the prophets of God in order, day by day and year by year, rolling on toward the establishment of the church, the eternal purpose of God being carried out, then how we ought to love it and to appreciate it. If we can but have in deepened upon our hearts and minds the importance of the church, and I trust that none of us this morning would begin to bring the church of our Lord down on par with the institutions of man. God Almighty then placed on that high pinnacle the church having no connection with the institutions of man now or ever will have all of the institutions of man then came contrary to God's will and God's way And they're here upon this earth today, opposed to God Almighty's will and way. I know to make a statement like that may not be so fitting to the hearts and minds of many people, but I know one thing, that it's to be the truth. Isaiah said in the long ago in Isaiah 2, 2 and 3, It shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord shall be established in the tops of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills. Many will say, come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob for he shall teach us of his ways. We shall walk in his paths for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Daniel 2 and 44 and I emphasize this in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven notice that statement the God of heaven shall bring into existence our establish the kingdom Not Abraham, Isaac or Jacob or John the Baptist, Martin Luther, Wesley or any other individual upon this earth but let us appreciate the fact that as the prophet of old told us that the God of heaven will give to us then this kingdom and he said it will not be left to other people but it will break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. And shall stand forever. What a glorious thought it is to be a member of the Lord's church, and that we can enjoy the glorious thought of how safe and the only institution in which we can feel safe for all eternity. Therefore it cost the prophets of all, many of them, their lives to bring these things, though they did not fully understand the kingdom of the church as we do today. And when Daniel said this, that the God of heaven shall set up a kingdom, then that's the church of the Lord. Not as many people would have you believe today in separating the church of the kingdom and having us believe that it's a future institution down yonder which is not true but he is talking about the church then of our lord let us appreciate it now as the church has been established after christ comes upon the scene for three or three and a half years And as he then went down to the coast of Caesarea Philippi where his apostles were, he said unto them, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? They said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Then he propounded this question, But whom do you say that I am? Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then he said, Blessed art thou, Simon bar Our flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Hear him, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against thee. We get concerned, and we have many battles to fight as far as the church is concerned and these wonderful truths to which we're holding. But we know one thing, that it'll never pass away. Daniel said then that it would not be left to other people, but it would break in pieces, consuming all of these kingdoms, and it'll stand forever. Then the church there established on the first Pentecost after the death, burial, resurrection and ascension of our Lord to the right hand of God. The gospel being preached for the first time in all of the history of the world and the first time that any man or woman in all of the great universe had ever been commanded to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. But on this memorable day, this is what they heard. And the church thus established Christ, the authority of the church. Isn't it wonderful that you and I have no authority over the church? But all authority is given unto him. Now the church concerned in carrying forth these great truths. Brethren, we have great responsibility resting upon us. And the greatest that can rest upon the shoulders of men and women because the God of heaven giving unto us the church and then you and I to herald forth these wonderful truths to a world that's lost. And so we find that the Lord said to his disciples, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields that are already white unto harvest. Let us appreciate the fact that the, we, that the fields are white unto harvest, souls that are lost. Souls that are lost. I don't know why we cannot be impressed with that word lost and to think about going out yonder into that vast eternity that shall never end before us. Why it is that we're not all going here in yonder spending the time that many of us are wasting instead of going out yonder and rescuing those souls that are anxious to hear it if we'd but find time to carry it to them. The church then being the only hope of carrying this message to the world, as Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 and 2, the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same thing, not something sort of like it, but the same thing commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Isn't it sad that the wonderful truths of God have fallen into the minds and hearts of so many men that's not qualified to carry these eternal truths? And of course, these conditions are waxing worse day by day. We this morning as the church must Seek out the souls that are lost and have care and concern for thee. In First Timothy, we find Paul's statement in First Timothy 3:14 and 15. He said, I write unto thee these things, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how to behave thyself in the house of God, the church of the living God, which is the pillar and the ground of the truth. The church of our Lord Jesus Christ today is the very foundation. It's the pillar and the support of the truth. Get it, there is not another institution, religiously fraternal or otherwise, in all the universe outside of the church of our Lord that's preaching the truth and upholding the truth. Well, I know that'll not draw millions out to hear you, or thousands rather, but that's right. I'm not interested in trying to please man, but I want to please God, and I know the only way that I can do this is to preach it as I think he would want it preached and to have it preached. We're to give God the glory in the church in Ephesians 3 and 21, unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. You cannot, neither can I, give God the glory and the honor outside of the church of our Lord. There is an institution in all of the universe in which men and women can glorify God only in and through the blood-bought institution, the church of our Lord. Let us think, then, how all members should join hands in love and in unity and comb the fields that are white unto harvest, which reminds me of this, the story that I read concerning the wheat fields in the Dakotas The family living near or in the edge of the thousands of acres. The little girl was out playing late in the evening. And the mother, thinking that dark was drawing round about, she went out to call her in. She didn't answer. And she raised the alarm of the child being lost. Some hundred of the neighbors and friends came in. And after they had begun the search for, they were crossing each other's paths, getting nowhere, and man one man with the proper judgment. Called them together and said, We're not getting anywhere. We're crossing each other's paths, and we're doing no good. Said, let us join hands and make a great human chain and let us comb this field out yonder. And our efforts united together, we'll find her. So after they'd gone far out into the wheat field, the call was raised over there, here she is. The damps of the night had taken her little body or her life. And as the mother rushed up, falling down over that little body, pouring out her very soul, here is the point, I believe, that ought to strike home to every member of the church. As she raised up before those searchers with her hands up and stated this, she said, Oh my God! Why didn't you join hands sooner? Why is it that we as men and women and as congregations cannot join hands and comb the fields that are white unto harvest? It's sad to think about that we have many today that'll not do this going in their various ways we have all the modern facilities and why are we not reaching the lost today as the church did in the beginning we have every facility of reaching the lost world today but we're not utilizing it we're not working in peace and harmony love and unity as i think we should I'll tell you what we need in one of the outcrying. need of the hour is this. We need strong pulpit preaching. There are not or there are many pulpits where there are strong preachings being done our pulpits and I think I can see the changes the thing that puzzled me was this why they for the first service that they'd have a young inexperienced boy as I am instead of having some old man like Brother Elkins to, to preach the first sermon but in the years of my experience, I have seen many changes. It's sad to think about many of our large congregations that they're hearing from their pulpits modernistic teaching, liberalistic, compromising, We have some of the greatest compromisers in the church of our Lord today are greater than we've ever had in all of our history. I'm not picking a fuss with anyone this morning. I'm just trying to tell us what I think the Lord would love and appreciate. Lots of weak preaching. Thank God for a church like this. The truth being preached. And these elders, preachers, and the members here wouldn't stand for anything else but that. I think sometimes that in some of the pulpits, the preaching is just about as weak as our beloved brother Tant's coffee. He liked his coffee strong. He went to a place for a meal, he put his coffee down by the plate, and the water was just barely colored. He looked down, could see the bottom of his cup. He just picked it up easily and placed it down by his chair on the floor. The lady is so amazed, she said, Why, Brother Tant said, Why did you put your coffee down on the floor? As his manner was, he said, Poor God, sister, said the little thing was so weak I was afraid it would fall off up here. <laughs> and that's just the way that lots of the preaching is being done now. I know, I think I know what it takes to impress the hearts and minds of men and women. You cannot soft-soul, you cannot compromise, you cannot turn liberalistic, modernistic, and ever reach the souls of men and women with teaching of that kind. A person came to me the other day and said, with tears in their eyes, said, tell us this. What's going to happen to the church down in future years? I said she'll continue to move on. I thank God that we have men and women in the church that'll never be moved away from the truth. Yet we find that these things will certainly weaken. It's sad to see so many members drifting back into the ways of the world. It's a deplorable thing we have them every week men and women that's drifting back into the ways of the world and they're going to be lost they're lost in that condition and it makes us sad but I'm going to reach back into the years some and say to you good people, I do not believe that we have an uphill fire and brimstone put into our preaching. Oh, but Brother Estes, you know we're living in a modern age now. The manner of approach must be altogether different to what it was back there when you began to preach. And we just can't do that. We have to please the people. We have to compromise with our denominational friends in order to impress their hearts and minds and get the truth into their hearts and minds. If the firm, positive preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ will not reach the hearts of human beings then they'll never be saved. So, when we think of that and the failure of that, I'll tell you what. Because many of our preachers are softening up in their preaching compromising and trying to be popular with the masses of the people, we are closing by forgetting, if you want to express it as such, it may seem out of term with us now, as I stated the hellfire and brimstone preaching, we're letting the world be lost and about two-thirds of the church being lost. If not, why are they drifting out there on the bleak mountain of sin today away from their duty and obligation and responsibility to God? I think that is right. We must then be in unity. Unity. Let us think for a moment. You know when Paul went down or over to Corinth and was preaching to them, 1 Corinthians 1 and 14, I said, Why some of you brethren here, why some of you saying, We're a Paul. We're of Apollos. Well, now we're of Cephas over here, and others said, "Well, we're of Christ." Four oh, that Paul makes mention. Brother Elkin, if Paul were here this morning, I believe that he'd say to the church of the Lord upon this earth, "You're just exactly like they were." back there at Corinth in the long ago the little group over here claiming to be the church of Christ and they say oh we don't divide in classes and we can't fellowship the other another group over here said oh we don't believe in more than one container but we do divide in classes We have the premillennial group out here. We then have those that's advocating the direct operation of the Holy Spirit. And so we can see the condition that the world is in today or how the church is being divided like that. All would then say, yes christ divided no he's not divided but many of the people in the church not satisfied with god's will and god's way going out upon their own and it's a sad thing to think about it's a sad thing to think about when we can see the statement made by our lord In John, the 17th chapter, verses 20 and 21, Christ said, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them that shall believe on me through thy word, that they may be one, as the Father art in me and I in thee, that they may be one in us. Get it? That the world may believe that thou hast sent me, Brethren, how in this world can we convince the world that Christ came and that he has the church here upon this earth when we're going to be divided among ourselves? We can't do it. And when it comes to congregations being divided and our hearts are not joined together in genuine love, how then can we sing that great and wonderful song Blessed be the tire that binds our hearts in Christian love. We're marching, our hearts are beating as the drums down yonder toward the closing scenes of life. Then what will it be as you and I stand at last at the judgment? To hear what the Lord may have to say to us. It's sad to think about the many, many that will be lost. And how much then we need to be bringing our lives in unity and harmony and praying and as Paul said, endeavoring, striving to do everything that we can to be in peace and harmony and unity. How many places we need to come and maybe the elders, deacons, and preachers come together And pray all night long if necessary that peace and harmony and unity can prevail and must prevail I think I understand in the days past when we saw the church standing together in unity more so than it is today it disturbs my very heart. We're causing in the state of conviction and division, we're causing many, many, many to be lost. And I don't want to stand at the judgment. I preached my first sermon nearly 50 years ago. I'm preaching today the very thing that I preached in my first sermon in Birmingham, Alabama. And thanks be to God that I'm standing upon this truth and trust to be when I go down the westward slope toward the setting of life's sun to continue to be standing upon these truths and begging and pleading for men and women to to accept the same, how great, how wonderful, and how fine I want to say to each of you, when I shall have reached the end of my pilgrimage here, when I shall have come to the close of life's little day, I want each of you to know that you have not lost an enemy, but you've lost a friend. And that's just exactly the way I feel toward each of you and the souls of every man and woman out yonder, and I pray that we shall be able to reach it, to reach every soul. Let us pray. Let us work to that end. The church, its concern For the lost, may we go out fully determined and our concern, sufficient that we'll go to the souls to which we have never gone and lead them to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and not a child of God, I wish you would think, I wish you would realize that you have to hear God's eternal truth that you'll have to believe it with all of your heart, repent of every sin, confessing Christ as the Son of God, then to be buried with him in baptism in the likeness of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Son of God, raised to that new life, and then above everything else, walk is that true faithful child of God until you reach the end of life's pilgrimage you have the promise of going home to heaven otherwise you do not then if you're here and you've wandered away and as I sometimes say that you know that God knows that you do know that he knows you know that you ought to repent that you ought to come back and start that life on you what better could you do than to do that now and I think it would be amiss if I did not extend to you by the singing of a stanza of an invitation song, why won't you come to Christ? Why will you not come to him this morning? You have the time and the opportunity. Oh, Brother Estes, I may someday, someday may be too late, too late, not for a day, not for a year, but too late for all eternity. Will you come as together we stand and together we see